You're listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. The goal of this podcast is to help business owners be successful and gain the advantage. Nancy has helped some of today's top Fortune 500 companies across a wide spectrum of industries work through their toughest challenges. She can help you too. So if you can't find the solutions you need, there are no more books to read or workshops to attend. The Nancy Gaines Show can be the difference between your success and failure. And now your host, Nancy Gaines. Hi, this is Nancy Gaines, and welcome to The Nancy Gaines Show, where we provide actionable ideas for entrepreneurs to grow their business and be even more productive. The focus of today's podcast is all about six-figure money breakthroughs. And I'm super excited to have a friend and a very special guest with me, Wei Hung. Let me tell you about him. He is the founding member and six-figure breakthrough coach. He has made it his passion, purpose, and goal to help people eliminate anxiety around money to achieve financial success and live a six-figure lifestyle. But it wasn't always this way. Despite having his first six-figure business at the age of 22, he struggled for years to consistently make six figures and keep it. When he finally figured it out, along with going broke several times, he vowed to make it his mission to help others avoid as many of the pitfalls as possible to six-figure success. Welcome, Way. Thanks for sharing part of your day. What else do you want to add to that introduction? Oh my God. Thank you, Nancy. Every time I hear that, it always gives me some interesting flashbacks. Some good, some not so good. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a flashback? Let's start with that. That's a great question. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, always, it's always interesting because, you know, it's not that I'm saying that people need to have these cathartic moments in their life, but there was a moment where I was so broke and it was like the perfect stage for it. It was, just, it was in Vegas, <laughs> of all places. I actually had an office in Vegas and I was so broke at one point that I was sleeping as much as I could so I wouldn't be awake and hungry at the same time. Oh, that must have sucked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, and, and, the, and what happened was it got to a point where I, the hunger actually woke me up and that's when I realized that that, that strategy wouldn't work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when it's in your face, you're kind of like, okay, I'm ready for a change. So what got you out of that? Oh, well, I mean, first I had to feed myself. And so I sat to, I, had, I couldn't escape anymore into slumber, into dreamland. Sandman stopped coming to my door, doorstep. <laughs> and, um, and I had to think, oh, God, I, I had to feed myself. I've already eaten the cabinets bare. There's nothing around the house except electronics to eat and furniture. Um, and that probably wouldn't sit too well, especially me having nothing in my stomach for the last two weeks. And then, um, then it hit me that, you know, I probably had a lot of spare change um, on the floorboards of my car. And so I, um, I walked out to my car and I looked on the floorboards and sure enough, there was a lot of coins because back then, uh, back in the 90s, I guess my, my pants, uh, the pockets of my pants weren't very deep. They were pretty shallow. So coins kept falling out. I never paid attention, never bothered to pick it up. Thank God, because if not, <laughs> uh, who knows what would have happened. So I got enough and I, and I said, well, where can I go to get, you know, get something to eat with this little amount of change. And I thought, well, closest place was Jack in a Box. So, you know, quick shout out to Jack in a Box. Jack in a Box will always have a special place in my heart <laughs> because of this, <laughs> this, <laughs> even though I don't eat there anymore, but I will still honor and respect Jack in a Box for being there. <laughs> you know, what um, I like about Jack, Jack in the Box is they have breakfast all day. So I can get the breakfast, Jack. I don't go very often, but when I'm really hungry, they've right. my me a few times. 
Right, exactly. And so um, it was during the holiday season. So there was barely anybody around. And the poor high school kid that was working at the uh, the drive through window, he uh, answers and I pull up and I said, uh, he says, welcome to Jack in the Box. Can I help you? And I said, uh, I'm looking at the menus. I see what I can buy. I think I can buy a small fries. So I ordered a small fries and he goes, okay, will there be anything else? I said, is, is water free? <laughs> And back then, they weren't selling uh, water bottles of water in the, in, in, in the uh, fast food places yet. And he said, uh, yeah. I said, okay, great. Can I, get a, can I get a cup of water, please? He goes, all right. Is there anything else? Like, I'm like, no, that's it. I drive to the window. And as I'm driving up to the window, I, I, it, it, a sense of panic hit me. And he said, and I said, oh, my God, I didn't account for tax. Hopefully, I have enough for tax. And so I took what I, all the coins that I had and I put it on the counter. The kid looks at me and goes, who is this guy? Um, and I got two cents back in change. So it was just enough. And um, by that time, I don't know if you've ever been hungry for more than a day or two or three. Even if it's just like for a day, you'll find that, you know, as you try to move around, if you haven't been moving around a while, you get dizzy pretty fast. Um, at that point, it was so, I was so dizzy and struggling to kind of like maintain my, my consciousness even that I couldn't even drive home. So I said, I, I need to just park and eat these fries. I need to put something in me. And I took my time because the fries smelled so good. And I did the whole thing where I'm drinking water while I'm smelling the fries. So I'm drinking, like, I'm drinking the fries because I'm smelling it at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I start to eat the fries and they were like the best fries i ever had in my life um and the moment that kind of like brought me home uh was i had happened to glance up and look at the rear of the mirror which was knocked askew because of my hustling and bustling in the car trying to find coins i never i was so out of it that i didn't even bother readjusting my my uh, rear view mirror and when i looked up i don't know if this is by divine intervention or whatever it was the mirror was looking right at me and the man that I saw in the mirror, I did not recognize. And when I took that in in that moment, seeing how gaunt I was and how, how salad and how, like, you know, like just these, I mean, and I, I, I lost it. I lost it in that moment. I mean, I, when I started to come out of it, I realized I was dr drenching my fries from the tears of me crying, just going, what am I doing? That I had to move my fries away. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> And it was in that moment that I realized, you know, this, this is ridiculous. There's no reason why I should be in this position. You know, what is it? What was it that I was doing? And a lot of it was ego. A lot of it was simply not knowing what to do. And, and a lot of it is also not knowing who or what I, what I was in that moment. And um, that was when something clicked. I went back, sold as much of all the, I mean, that was like the day my, my, my era of materialism ended. And uh, for many, it, it never ends, but for me, it ended back in my 20s. And, um, and then I, I just got rid of everything, all the stuff that I didn't need to have, got down to the bare bones, got enough money from selling the things to catch up on rent, pay my office rent, or, and get some ads out and start my business again, you know, and then also look into getting support, help, going to trainings, seminars, getting a coach, all the things that I was too arrogant or too, um, uh, too proud to realize that success 
is not a solo sport and never was and never will be. And, um, and, and it's in that moment that I started my journey to kind of truly understand what it really meant to be an entrepreneur or to be a business owner or just to be successful in one's career. So, so help that, me fill in the gaps. Was uh-huh. this jack-in-the-box, jack I'm just going to name it, the jack-in-the-box incident, was this after you already made your first six figures or was this the very starting of the first wave of six figures? Oh, no, this is, I, I had already made six figures before. And wow, that's even more powerful. So you had six figures, you oh, lost yeah. six figures, uh-huh. and how did you lose it? Uh, well, I mean, I bought a lot of things I didn't need. I kept spending money faster than it was coming in. Um, and, you know, when, when, when you and I first met, I talked about my money story and um, how, you know, when I grew up, my belief was that money was bad. And because of money, I would get in trouble due to how my father tried to teach me about money. And so I grew up with that belief that I would get in trouble around money. So whenever I made money, I did whatever I could unconsciously to kick it out of my life. So I was literally pushing more money out than I was bringing in. And um, that's how it got to that, got to that point. Okay, that ties it all together. So how does somebody know if they have issues with money? Like, did you know you had issues with money? No. You know, and even then, quite frankly, I didn't think I, I had issues with money. I just chalked it off as maybe I, because I'm an engineer, I went to school for engineering, I don't know how to run a business or I don't know how to make money. Or I don't, you know, all these reasons. And so I would, you know, for a while after that, I would go with, I would, you know, just basically be on this mission to learn different tactics and strategies, you know, take the academic approach to everything without realizing that there was, there was something running underneath it all that was driving my decision-making process. That was driving those, th- that, that moment where you're making a decision to go one way or the other that this little inner child, this voice, this programming said, no, go this way. And it was out of either fear or hurt or anger um, or sadness even. You know, there was all kinds of emotions as related to my original money story that I grew up with. Um, you know, w- one, one big tell, um, you know, g- giveaway when, when someone doesn't know if they're going through um, their... Uh, um, a bad money story is that they're going through financial cycles. So there's ups and downs like all their life, you know, um, that's a, that's a dead giveaway that there is a probably a bad money story running when you can't consistently, you know, grow your money circumstance and you're just going through this back and forth, you know, vacillating type of effect in your financial world. That totally makes sense. So you yeah. and your team help people with these money blocks or these issues with money. Can you share some of the most common ones? Yeah, some of the most common ones are, one of them is uh, the, the lack mentality. We call it the lack mentality, which is that, that there's never enough. That no matter how much money you make, there won't be enough. And, um, you know, so even, so we have, we have had, you know, multimillionaires coming to the office with, you know, tr- struggles around money. You would think that if you're making millions in a year, you wouldn't have any money problems. But money problems, we found, as we found in our work, has nothing to do with money. It actually has to do with your relationship with money, your perception of money, and how you're, using, how you're motivating yourself to make money. 
you know, what we found in some of the technology that we use at the Six Figure Academy is that not everybody is motivated by money. And if you aren't naturally motivated by money and you try to motivate yourself like everybody else tries to do with money, then it actually pushes you into a lack mentality. It forces you to hoard. And it's a very consistent behavior if money is not a natural driver for you. I like that. So you and I both help people with their blind spots. I do that as a business coach and find spots in their business that they don't see. And you Mm -hmm. do it with money. What is your process to identify someone's blind spots? And how do you gently tell them they have an issue? Wow, that's a really good question. (laughs) I know Um, it's hard because we want to be compassionate yet direct yet you know, helping them without them going off the deep end. It's a really strong balance. Right. So over the years, I decided to really kind of take on the title of a breakthrough coach. And one of the, one of the reputations breakthrough coaches have is that we don't, we don't mess around. We don't beat around the bush. We don't walk on eggshells to try to placate our clients. You come to us when you want a breakthrough. So we're going to show up with a sledgehammer and say, okay, let, let's, let's get things taken care of. So fortunately, I've, I've been able to kind of position myself that way so I can be very straightforward and upfront with people. Uh, <laughs> Uh, what, what I found, though, with people when it comes to money, that most of the time when people have money problems, it's, it's like a low-grade fever. It's such, I mean, uh, the, the University College of London, uh, through a, a survey and a study with 14,000 men and women, had determined that money, not sex, is man's last taboo. In other words, money is less talked about, you know, things around money, subjects around money, than actual sex. You know, they I thought it was going to be the other way around. <laughs> I huh? believe that. Well, because everyone jokes about that on TV or in the movies, and it's just, you know, it's playful when right. you talk about sex. But money, right. people get really quiet about that. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 it's fascinating because, you know, I mean, when, we, when, when, when you and I grew up, I mean, sex was, well, sex was pretty much still a big taboo. I mean, you didn't see very much of it on TV. Um, you didn't see, you know, it wasn't talked about too often. And someone used one swear word, like the, like the B word or something on like TV. And I was like, oh my God, you know, and all of a sudden there's all these fines that go out, right? Now right, you look right. at TV, it's, 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 uh, it's a big difference. Um, well, they, you know, the universe, that doing that study, they, they, they thought they were going to see more um, disparity or, or not, not as much of a disparity in, in the percentages of people, but they found only 2% of 14,000 men and women really had trouble talking about sex. What was really surprising to them when it came to money, over 20% either refused to talk about it or had trouble having conversations around money. And it's, yeah, and it's such a fascinating thing. And, you know, we used to not just work with the money piece. We didn't used to start with the money piece, actually. We just dealt with it as it came up. And we were scratching our heads as to why when we were coaching our clients and giving them the, the best things to create more productivity in their lives, to create more uh, success in their lives and to create more results that all of a sudden, you know, they would get to 80%, they'd be happy. And then we said, no, no, there's more. And they're like, no, we're good. And when we suddenly realized that those clients that we actually worked on the money piece with were getting so much better results when we were working specifically around the relationship with money, there was, a, there was a clue that, that for us to try. So we start, started doing it 
work on it as the first thing, as our gatekeeper type of niche, if you will. We start with the money, no matter who you are, no matter what it is. And what we found is that people hide so much behind money. They use money as a scapegoat. They use money as a reason to do or to not do the things that they want to do in life. I mean, one of the big things when I talk about, say, for example, like productivity, when I talk about people, you know, what are your symptoms of money anxiety is that it's not a matter of whether or not you're productive. You're productive doing what? So one of the things that is a symptom of anxiety around money or stress or a bad relationship with money is when you're busy doing things that you think are productive but are actually not getting you the results that you actually want to be productive about. So you're busy. So you, you kind of fool yourself into thinking that, you're doing things. But because you're skirting around dealing with the money piece, you find yourself creating things to do that have nothing to do with helping you getting you to where you want to go. Oh, absolutely. Like people won't pick up the phone to make a cold call because they're like, I don't want to ask them for money or close the deal or follow up. Um, But it's not helping them. And instead, they're just staying busy going to networking or whatever. So I totally get that one. That's yeah. really interesting. So is this some of the stuff you cover on your podcast? Maybe you can hear yeah, about that. Yeah, we cover a lot of that. And we actually have to have you on our podcast, actually. <laughs> I would love that. I think it'd be great. Um, yeah, I think every week we address one particular strategy or tactic or topic or depending on the guest that we have on the show, because sometimes we have guests, sometimes we don't. And so what we do is uh, the Money Lab is the name of the podcast. And what we do is we, we basically make it a laboratory for people to be able to, and it's live, so people can come in and um, every week and ask questions and you know, talk about different things and, or just comment in general and, and, and listen to different ways that we can tackle this money piece because everybody has a different money story. And even if the money story sounds the same, because everybody is unique, there are unique twists to everybody's money story. And so this is what's so exciting and fun because I, I, get, I get bored pretty easily as an entrepreneur. And so realizing that every client is going to be absolutely different, this is what has kept me in this game as long as it has. <laughs> so I know my money story, or at least part of it, mm-hmm. is I absolutely hated selling things as a kid when I was in school, uh-huh. which means I didn't like selling the world's finest chocolate. Did you have those growing up? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I was out there trying to get people to give me money to read books. <laughs> <laughs> I had to sell that. I had to sell baked goods. I had to sell Girl Scout cookies, which should have been a slam dunk now that I right. look back. And I just hated selling everything. And I know that it has carried into my adult life. And uh, I lost my dad at 16, but I found mm. out later that he was actually a salesman. Mm. He never said he was a salesman and he was an entrepreneur, but it's kind of interesting that I had money issues selling and he was a salesperson. How ironic is that? Right. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's great that you mentioned that because what we would do, let's say, if, if you and I were working together and we're talking about trying to get to the root of the, uh, of the financial challenges that you may or may not have in your life, what we would do is we say, okay, great, let's talk about how your dad dealt with money. What was, what were, what was the energy around money? When he, even though he was a salesperson, whether he was good or bad or whatever the case may be, I mean, he created a home for you, uh, for you guys when you're growing up. I don't know if you have siblings or not, but, <laughs> and, and what you want to do is not so much that he was a salesperson, but what was your dad's relationship like with money? And that's where we would start because you learn something because it doesn't have to do with the fact that it was selling anything. 
It has more to do with the transaction of money that has to take place as a result of the sale or the association of whether or not the sale is made and whether or not the money is paid and what that means for you as an individual. What does that mean when someone says yes? What does it mean when someone says no? Um, what does it mean when someone asks for a discount? All those things come into play and it's all around money. And so we, want, we, we almost need to reconnect these associations with and how we decided that money was the reason or was the trigger to feel a certain way about certain things. That is so cool. Yeah. So let me ask you one tip before we jump into our fun question that everybody gets on the podcast. What okay. advice would you give one to two pieces maybe of the entrepreneurs that are listening today on this podcast about their business and money? I'll leave it wide open. Anything you want to share that would help them improve their business? Okay. Uh, first and foremost, you've got to pay attention to the money. Okay. The lifeline and blood of your business is actually not money, but it's your energy. And if you as an entrepreneur, you as a business owner, decide to put off and completely disconnect from the money piece, because I know entrepreneurs that do this, they um, hire people that they think that are better with money and then they completely leave themselves out of it. The problem is nobody's going to give the right energy to their baby, their business, as the owner is. And so as such, the owner always has to stay connected, whether it be just looking at the P&Ls, whether it be making key decisions on um, big transactions, uh, whether it be just kind of monitoring where things are getting a report at the end of the day, if you have people doing this for you. If you're not, then you've got to pay attention to the money. You've got to be, that's, that's the first thing. Um, and making sure that you have your energetic input into that, that flow, the money flow. The second piece, uh, the second uh, uh, advice I would give when it comes to money and entrepreneurship is, you know, prioritizing improving or, or, or changing your money or realizing what your money story is, is, you know, when you resolve that money piece in your business, we found it's like the keys to the kingdom. Most people are brilliant at their business already. And the only challenge is because if you're making decisions, thinking about money, if you're struggling around making enough money for your business, most likely it has nothing to do whether or not you know how to run a business, whether or not you know how to make sales. It has a lot more to do with your relationship with money. So I would you know, make sure that you take actionable, proactive steps on making sure that money is your ally, money is your friend versus uh, a thorn in your side, which is what a lot of people look at, how a lot of people look at money, you know? So that's, those are the two things I think I would highly recommend every that entrepreneur. And that is so true. I've seen people outsource stuff and then um, they actually start running into like embezzlement and stuff. On a, I know one girl whose bank has been robbed four times and two people have embezzled from her. So oh my God. this really happens if you don't pay attention. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, ready for the fun question that everybody gets on the podcast, the signature question? <laughs> okay. Okay, Way, we're all about productivity, and thank you for the productivity tips. So if you had one more hour in your day, 25 hours every day, how would you spend the extra hour? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, if I had one more hour in the day, I would actually take that extra hour to serve. One of the things that I meditate on every, one of the first, only, first questions that I ask myself every single day when I wake up is universe, God, you know, whoever it is that you refer to the collective, 
what is it that I can, what is it that the world needs today that I can provide? What is it the world needs today that I can give? What is it that I can, how is it that I can be to be as of high service? If I was to get an extra hour out of the day, and this is an interesting question because we actually teach our students how to create more time in a day. Excellent. I love that. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a unique form of time blocking that we do, which actually helps people create more time. And across the board, all of our students who have diligently applied it, they said, way, it's like magic. You, you literally have helped me create more time. I never thought it was possible. And so the, so the question always comes as to what do I do with this time? I would, I would do what I absolutely love, you know, not be attached to whether it be business or anything else. In that moment, I love some of those blocks that I open up in my life already where I get, ooh, I have an extra half hour. What do I want to do? What do I feel like doing? And it's a really cool exercise for me because it really helps me kind of tap in to say, okay, what does Wei really like? What does Wei love right now? What does Wei need right now to keep his vessel happy, to keep his being happy so that I can continue to be of high service? And I think um, one of the best things I like to do with extra free time that I have is making sure and checking with myself that I am taking care of myself. And sometimes it's as simple as doing something that I absolutely love with total abandonment, whether or not people are judging me or anything of like that. So that's kind of what I would do with that extra hour. And if it feels like me serving somebody and taking care of somebody, then that's what I'll do. What an inspirational answer. I love that. Wait, what else do you want to add that I didn't think to ask you today? Anything special? Uh, yeah, you know, it's be, I, I love that you focus on productivity because, you know, there's, there's so many things out there that give us an opportunity to solve productivity issues. And when it comes to money, we found that when we simply resolve the money piece, um, productivity increases. You know, it's, it's a really interesting thing when we, because a lot of times our productivity, like I had a, I had a client who, um, the first year we worked together, his gross revenue didn't increase. So he's a little bit upset at the end of the year. I was excited because I saw his P&Ls because he sends me their, they, my clients sent me their P&Ls. And I said, what are you upset about? He says, well, it's the same amount. He's like, what number are you looking at? And he goes, I'm looking at the gross. I said, yeah, because when you're used to that, because when you have money anxiety, you only look at the gross. Take a look at the net, compare the net. He had doubled his net profits. Yay. from the year before to the second. And he says, wait, how did that happen? I said, when you take care of your money challenges, when you have less stress and worry about money, there's less chaos in your back end, which means you're more productive, which means you're more efficient and you're not spinning your wheels trying to avoid dealing with money. So and if there's one reaction? thing... Huh? What was his reaction? Did he, did he have this aha moment? Well, I asked him, I said, well, what was the difference between last year and this year? He goes, I wasn't as stressed about money and I was actually having more fun. I said, yeah, and you made more money. Imagine that. And he said, oh, I get it now. That is cool. <laughs> well, thank you for doing what you do. I, I know a lot of people need it. How can people find you if they'd like to work more closely with you? Um, well, one of the easiest ways is to, I, I mean, I'm not hard to find. So, I mean, I'm, I'm on iTunes with, my, uh, with our podcast, The Money Lab, on Spreaker.com, Facebook, YouTube. There's tons of videos out there that I, that I do all the time. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I do actually have a digital book called From Money Anxiety to Six-Figure Mastery. 
And um, an easy way to get that is just to go to uh, go.thesixfigureacademy.com and then you can just you can download it for free there. And then it also drops you into a five-part e-series that basically goes deeper on all the concepts uh, in a more organized fashion than today and um, really kind of helps you start to move in the right direction of moving towards creating that six-figure lifestyle, which is not just about money. It's about you know, the metaphorical representation of what six figures actually means to you. What a generous gift. Thank you so much. Can you say the website one more time so people can say it slowly and they can write it down and make sure they get their freebie from you? Sure. Yeah. The, the, the URL is go, like, you know, G-O dot the six figure academy. And that's the number six figure academy dot com. And uh, I'll take you right there. Way, thanks so much for taking time to be on the show today. Lots and lots of valuable information. And listeners, I just added some rapid results day on my calendar for fall. This is where you accelerate your business in just one day instead of coaching, which can take many weeks and months. Go to nancygaines.com slash scale to learn more. S-C-A-L-E, nancygaines.com slash scale. And if you loved our show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. And until next time, go out and gain the advantage. You've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show, where you can gain the advantage. To schedule a VIP strategy day or speed consulting session with Nancy, connect with her on her website, nancygaines.com. That's nancy, G-A-I-N-E-S, dot com. On Twitter, Nancy L. Gaines. And on LinkedIn, Nancy Gaines. Be sure to check back on Nancy's website for new episodes. Until next time, you've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. Go out and gain the advantage.